Waiting for Seconds is a podcast that talks about subjects of self-harm, suicide, eating disorders, and other personal subjects. If you don't feel comfortable listening to this podcast alone, listen to it with someone important to you. May that be a teacher, a parent figure, or someone you feel comfortable being with. Please enjoy the rest of the episode. Waiting for Seconds, the interview podcast where we meet people, ask them who they are, and why they are. I'm Malcolm Outkelt, and I'm here with Shannon Miller, and today's guest, Adam Taylor. Hello, I'm Adam. Uh, I'm a computer science uh, student at Walla Walla University. Uh, this is my senior year, and I've been tutoring and teaching alongside of my school for the past seven years. And I just started a research project with my professor that I'm really enjoying working in a semi-real-world experience now. I have two adorable cats named Mojo and Patches. I have an older brother, and I've basically spent my entire life in Washington State. And my favorite game is Destiny 2, but any game will do in a pinch. So I personally know Adam. I've known him for about uh, 10 years. We originally met through church and uh, quickly became friends as we joined schools together. Well, not schools. We uh, started in sixth grade together, and then we graduated at Auburn Adventist Academy, uh, playing countless games such as Minecraft and Terraria. And a couple months ago, we got back together after graduating and uh, started playing Minecraft again. And I'm just so glad you were uh, willing to come and talk about who you are today. Um, no problem. Of course, we have a couple questions that we plan to ask, um, but it might be a little bit different than the last episode. So, uh, well, I'd love to start, Adam. You mentioned, uh, Shannon, you mentioned that you met him through church. Yep. Uh, Adam, are you willing to tell us a little bit more about your church, about your religious experiences? Uh, is it religious? Do you have any other spiritual beliefs? Yeah. Uh, so uh, the first church experience I had is uh, here in Walla Walla. Uh, I grew up here, and there's a big university church here that has like 6,000 members or something mm-hmm. like that. So I, I grew up in like a very deep depersonalized uh, religious experience. And that never felt quite right. Uh, but then when I moved to where Shannon is, uh, was I, <laughs> we moved into this tiny little church that has like a membership of like maybe 50. <laughs> yeah. And there is a significantly closer bond to the people in that church. Uh, we had potlucks after every every church uh, service and we got mm. to know each other and support each other and the kids teenagers collegiate all hung out a long time uh played soccer did really fun things and really got to know each other and mm-hmm. we really built a community and friendship like that uh, uh right now i'm 
I'm a Christian. I uh, I grew up Seventh Day Adventist, uh, mm. and right now it's hard. I consider myself non-denominational, but leading leaning towards Seventh Day Adventist. I just there's a lot of harmful things in organized religion, uh, specifically yeah. churches and stuff uh, but- that I've been trying to avoid. <laughs> There is a lot of value, right, in that community aspect of it. Yeah, that seems there like is. the a lot of the point for you. Is that fair to say that? Right. It's yeah. more about uh, the people than the religion itself. Mm-hmm. It's more about like a, a personal connection and like actually understanding what the people themselves are believing. Mm-hmm. That is mm. what draws me towards God. Like. A, Especially right now, like while I'm in school, going to a worship service where we basically have a lecture, we're all sitting in a pews. It, it doesn't feel special or connective to God for me. Yeah. So you you would say it's it's more personal and no longer like associated just with the church. That is more like just of a social aspect, mm-hmm. like going to church I, yeah, I have every a... weekend. Yes, yeah, I have a a very personal connection with God that I I do like sharing with other people who are curious to know, but the uh, kind of social fiasco of church (laughs) and the shallowness that that I have experienced in church is not always something I have liked. Sometimes I like it, sometimes, but most of the time it's not on my wheelhouse. Yeah. Now, so, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, 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 go ahead. <laughs> now, you mentioned that you used to be Seven Day Adventist and are now Christian. Uh, mm-hmm. were, you were born into Seven Day Adventism. Yeah, I was. Uh, uh, and did that that didn't feel natural? Is that just because of the the larger community that it never felt close, or do you think that that's something more to do with not having a choice in it? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. A little bit of not having much of a choice. Though, that, just recently, like, that, that hasn't been as much a bigger deal. It was mainly just recently, like, the disconnect and mainly, like, I believe in the Sabbath. And I think it should be, like, a unique and very special day. And going to church made it feel like the rest of the week for me. Yeah. Also, if I'm non-denominational, I can avoid some of the (laughs) stereotypes, especially (laughs) as Seventh-day Adventists. (laughs) Haystacks. Haystacks, good. (laughs) Haystacks are good, but they are a stereotype. That's true. (laughs) So. I, I... I totally get that, buddy, because I, I mean, since we went to the same church together, I, I totally understand where it feels like it's just the rest of the week. And are you, are you spiritual in any other way uh, besides religion? Is it like maybe a practice you do or it it could be karma? Do you uh, believe in like, like if you do evil, is that, is that how karma works? Uh, basically you, you do good you you get 
good things happening to you. I think both yeah. karma, yeah. yeah. Good things follow good things, bad things follow bad things. Mm. Uh, but I'm not, I don't think it's nearly that way. Well, <laughs> I think it is that way, but not in the spiritual perspective. <laughs> I think that if you do bad things, just like it, natural consequences. It's more likely that someone who you did something bad to <laughs> not going to be happy about it. Right. Like, let's more say just the consequences of your right. <laughs> Like, maybe it's not even the person, but like something bad happened to them and they did something bad. And then mm-hmm. more like the butterfly effect than. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, uh, like, so like uh... since I believe in that. Um, and. I don't know. I really like science. And I believe that there are a significant amount of things in this world that can be uh, explained by science. And that a lot of the things that we might see as God's intervention might just be random circumstance. Uh, Mm. It might also be God. Uh, I, I'm in the weird kind of place where it's like it could be either. <laughs> it's not one of the other for me. So it's like if someone thinks that it was God's intervention, then I'm willing to believe that it was God's intervention. And if it's if they say it's random chance, it could well be one random chance. Mm. Now there's some interesting. You're both uh, a very much a man of science and also uh, a Christian, which in truth, my uh, predetermined ideas of scientific people and Christians are kind of not similar. Mm-hmm. They are exclusionary. Uh, right. Has that ever been a struggle? Have people from either side, you know, computer science groups, scientific groups, given you shit for being Christian or <laughs> the other way around? Um, I don't think that... I haven't gotten shit about being Christian. Uh <laughs> Uh, but I have been given shit by Christians a little bit by willing to entertain scientific. <laughs> mm. Mm. Like, uh, I'm willing to, I don't believe in evolution, but I am willing to look at evolution and say that this is a freaking well thought out <laughs> mm-hmm. scientific experiment. And like, right. It's a good justification for it's a good hypothesis for what has happened i think that both creation and evolution are very well developed (laughs) we've been developing them for like 500 years they are well thought out theories either (laughs) yeah yeah either just the big bang or the creation yeah I I haven't I have gotten a lot of shit for saying that <laughs> evolution is a well thought out <laughs> uh, method uh, by my parents, other Christians, and stuff like that. But I I actually have not gotten that much shit from uh, atheists for saying that I believe in God or anything like that. They're usually That's, just yeah. accepted, which That's nice. is like polar opposite of like everything <laughs> I've been taught about atheists. So. <laughs> Right. I, I mean, that's truly, that's that surprises true. me a little bit. Even as <laughs> as an agnostic person, I 
am a little surprised that you've never been given shit from a professor or a, a fellow classmate who learns that you're religious and assumes that you can't have a scientifically minded brain just because you have beliefs that uh, don't work with theirs. <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I basically... I, I say that everything... My belief is that everything at the beginning of time is basically extrapolation and everything <laughs> at the end of in the future is extrapolation. So like theories are just kind of theories. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we we've been as Christians from what I understand is we've been passed down knowledge for maybe thousands of years and that can always be changed from one translation to another and so a thousand years it's a lot of translation to maybe confuse us or like mm-hmm. make it make us go ahead purposefully change things or even accidentally mistaken oh, yeah. words and well and there's completely changed meanings king henry way back in england when he uh or no it was king james king, king james wrote like a different basically a different version of the bible just so it pertained to him mm-hmm. and we still use that version today he he wrote so. that version despite <laughs> both calvinists and <laughs> catholics at the same time so like literally no one at the time likes that bible <laughs> and yet it was still the most <laughs> because it's enforced by the king Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, I uh, I heard uh, somewhere in there, like, you're talking about how you're a very science man. Now, is is this part of, like, how you look at the world? Is there something different, like, with your worldview uh, that like uh maybe changes that a little bit or is it mainly you just look at the world as like super scientific so i've mostly been colored by my my love for mathematics i love math i've taken i'm a computer science major and i've taken over three quarters of the math classes that are available (laughs) at my school (laughs) i love math and math gives you the ability to model basically everything <laughs> that has ever <laughs> come into existence. So I can model probability and just spitball something that's going to happen. And mm. it happens. Uh, <laughs> so that's kind of where my science has come from. Like with mathematics being able to uh, explain so much, and then every other scientific field kind of has its origin somewhat in mathematics. Just like everything is like physics based on mathematics and then chemistry is based on physics and then biology is based on chemistry. So everything is kind of rooted in this underlying mathematical principle. So, and that's kind of like why I believe both in God and in science, because Mm. it feels weird that there would be this massive underlying pattern that basically matches the entire universe, (laughs) give or take a little bit. And 
also, I believe in science, because there is this underlying mathematical or physical description of the world that we can model things. <laughs> Understanding it is that scientific view and just being in awe of it. And I mean, yeah. truly, it is it is amazing how much logic exists in our universe. Right. And they're like things that like I believe that are God's intervention that I might completely change my mind on just a little bit later because there's a mathematical formula that describes it. <laughs> yeah. That might be a, an even more controversial opinion than oh, believing yeah. in God. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Math is fun. <laughs> Math is fun. <laughs> Math is fun. Uh, well, uh, I'd love to ask, um, so obviously with your church presence, especially it being so community focused, there, there have to have been a lot of factors in bringing up, creating who you are right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd like to ask you, who do you think is the most influential in that, whether that's a bully or maybe you're the leader of your church or your mother um, who affected you most in your life? Probably guy, uh, one of my teachers, a history teacher called uh, Joseph Underhill. Okay. <laughs> Joe Underhill. Uh, <The> legend. <laughs> yes. Uh, he's super influential in my life. He, he introduced me to computer science. And basically, I was going to be a, a, an engineering or a math major. And then he showed me that I could do programming. <laughs> mm. And that I could just speak mathematics into a computer and get something out that's amazing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I fell in love basically the instant I started doing it. Uh, so he showed me that, and that was incredible. Uh, but he also, uh, we had like this, I don't want to call it a Bible study group, <laughs> but it was kind of close. It was kind of like this religious discussion group it was like called family groups uh, and it was this high school uh, we were in an adventist high school and they wanted to have us in religious experience so we had family groups and we had we had like discussions over uh, a friday night and a good meal and it was like eight or nine of us just hanging out and talking about topic and we just we just talked about the topic uh we we uh went down so many rabbit holes and got lost in the discussion and at the same time we were talking about spiritual issues and each of us having our own different perspectives and understanding each other's perspective was really unique experience and i think it got me closer to god and to other people and that that that's one reason why i'm so religious and because he was willing to have more of an open format to these spiritual groups instead of just him sharing some spiritual perspective just having us participate in it that made it really unique and had us all connecting on a personal level and that's how our entire group there became friends mm -hmm because of that taking time to talk to each other and understand each other's mm -hmm. worldviews and understanding of your own religion 
mm-hmm. over a good meal, of course. Oh yeah, <laughs> meal definitely helps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, was that friend group? Uh, did that affect you even more as time went on through your, maybe your high school career and even your college career? Uh, where were those open discussions that led you into this group? Did that make your group stronger or? Was it... uh, those discussions, I'm pretty sure those discussions uh, made our group stronger. Uh, we fell out a little bit because of many different problems, but mainly because we we're high schoolers and hormones are not exactly <laughs> the right. friends of relationships. <laughs> uh, people jump to conclusions and we just... I'm friends with most of them individually, mm. but we're not really a group of friends as much anymore. Yeah. Now you you didn't have you didn't have uh, any bullies or nobody who is like. Uh... Well, I did. Uh, oh. So I have long hair. <laughs> I've had long hair since uh, what second grade, first grade. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, and, you know, kids are mean, so, uh, they mm-hmm. made fun of me a little bit for, <laughs> for me having long hair, they basically called me a girl, uh, and there was, like, one person who was the instigator of this, and they were my bully, uh, mm-hmm. but <laughs> I, I told the teacher about this a lot, and mm-hmm. one time I, I took <laughs> matters into my own hands, and I, I chucked a pencil at them. <laughs> and like, that's like one of the worst feelings I've had in my entire life. <laughs> uh, it made them stop, but it made me feel truly horrible. So like, after that point, I kind of just have it in the back of my head, like not to hurt anyone ever. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a, a long time? life philosophy that you follow consistently not to hurt anybody ever yeah uh that i i try my best to do that i i try to both physically and unfortunately emotionally uh (laughs) that has led to some problematic events (laughs) uh some problematic friendships uh but yeah that has been something i've uh strive to uh, live by it hasn't been easy because i have fairly explosive anger when that actually Mm. when i actually get angry it's fairly explosive (laughs) so controlling that has been a problem (laughs) now is this something uh you would say like in life that you struggle with like more than other people or is is, I don't know. I haven't talked to a lot of people about their anger management. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. Uh, when I'm alone, being angry is a problem. When I'm around other people, it's not as much of a problem. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, that's probably why it is a problem by myself. Because uh, I'm kind of afraid to be angry around people because I think that they might think I'm crazy. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, if, if you really show your anger, it some people might think you're a little cuckoo, but... 
Yeah. How do you how do you manage that that anger? What do you what are your steps to maybe uh, calm down or lesser amounts of anger? I play video games, shooting things. <laughs> it makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah. Um, and since it's in a video game setting, it doesn't hurt anyone. And no real violence. Good, no, no real violence. violence, and I don't. I don't use text chat when I'm angry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, no real violence against people. Uh, when I get really, really angry, sometimes like I rip up pieces of paper or I give my mattress a beat down. <laughs> yeah. But I very much avoid physical violence and i try not to yell at people either you you have to get me very angry <laughs> for me to yell at you yeah uh, i could probably count a number of uh, on one hand <laughs> the number of times i've actually yelled at someone mm-hmm. hmm. and those uh hitting your mattress or tearing up paper those seem like relatively healthy ways to express your stress and get rid of it uh have you ever other than yelling of course uh had worse ways to do that uh whether that is i mean obviously throwing a pencil uh or i know a lot of people punch walls uh mm-hmm. has that ever really been a problem that managing that stress in ways that isn't just against people um yeah during like high school and early college, it, it was a little bit of a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially, I, I got uh, when I broke up with my uh, first girlfriend. Uh, she, mm-hmm. she never gave me an actual explanation, and that that made me upset. Maybe not mad, just generally upset. And I punched the wall because of uh, yeah, because I was upset and like. Just yeah. face like out of the blue, just you know, one mm-hmm. of those more of a reflex instinct kind of thing rather than mm-hmm. an actual thought <laughs> out response. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, is there anything else besides anger that you struggle with? Yeah, I kind of, I don't know if it was depression, but I did struggle with uh, self-worth and stuff, uh, both Mm. during high school and in college. Uh, Yeah, I I don't know how to explain why, because, like, looking back, it doesn't seem like a good reason, (laughs) which is probably one reason why it it was as bad as it was uh but yeah i um i did hurt myself a couple times uh, a couple a lot of times (laughs) uh i cut myself quite a bit in high school would you be willing to tell us uh not really more about that experience specifically Mm -hmm. but about how you got out of that mindset 
Uh, I know that for myself, I I went through some self harm uh, a couple of years back, and getting out of the mindset was a lot harder than it was to get into it. Oh yeah, uh, it, it's been an ongoing uh, experience of trying to get out of that. Uh, mm-hmm. But there is uh, back to religion. Uh, another uh, one of the really really key turning points. Uh, mm-hmm. in that experience is uh, I was like, uh, there was a couple times where I was suicidal and one of them uh, I was praying and praying for God to just kill me. Um, mm. But um, and then I asked for him to just sh- talk to me and just show that he existed even. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I felt like this warm feeling around me, and like mm. it kind of felt like tight, but like a comforting version. So, like, and I, I have no good explanation for why a feeling like that could have happened. It, it basically felt like a hug. Mm. <laughs> so, it, it's my belief that God did answer, and either an angel or something like that to comfort me at that time and after that it was moment of yeah it it was after that moment it was never as bad as that again now that uh that seems like i mean shit that seems like it'd be one of my most eventful most interesting (laughs) impactful moments in my life is that fair to say that that's at least up there yeah, it's it's definitely up way up there, and probably one of the biggest reasons why I still believe in God. That's really uh quite amazing. It's a a, a very powerful moment. Mm-hmm. It it was special, and I haven't shared it with many people just because the. I'd have to also share that I was suicidal, which is not mm-hmm. always the safest or friendliest of topic for most people. But not always easy to be an open book about that kind of a topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I hope you know we we really appreciate you opening because <clears throat> that that is hard for uh, most people, um, if not all people <laughs> who struggle with. Uh, thoughts of suicide or self-harm talking about it is definitely one of the most difficult parts like i could probably there's probably about seven people i have physically uh, in person shared with that i've been suicidal or some of my experience and even less that i've had this experience with (laughs) yeah well, we really appreciate it. Uh, and now I'd like to ask you about something completely different. Uh, you mentioned your girlfriend earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to know more about... Uh, we as a society have a, a very... A lot of expectations that we place on men. Uh, about pushing relationships forward and you know being the masculine man. Whether that's asking women out on dates or, you know, being the one who is obligated to get 
gifts and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to know about your experiences with that, whether that's something you feel like you have struggled with or whether that's something that maybe because of your church or your prior life experiences you feel like has never really come up. Uh, it's definitely come up, uh, especially I, I'm in a continuing five-year uh, long relationship. Uh, <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Hell yeah. Um, and it's been hard with other people's expectations, uh, not hers, ex- not her expectations, <laughs> but mm. like my parents' expectations and like some people uh, who have been... Uh, I told about my relationship. Uh, they've <laughs> it's like, when are you gonna pop the question, <laughs> mm. or stuff like that. And I am a very anxious person. <laughs> <laughs> and if it were just up to me, I would just pop the question with no fuss or specialness or anything like that. <laughs> I would just ask her the question in an appropriate moment. Uh, but. It's never that easy. Yeah, it's no. never that easy. <laughs> people, people like to have special moments in their life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have a, a lot of anxiety about meeting her expectations for <laughs> a proposal. So mm. we're, we are definitely debating who's going to propose <laughs> a long debate and we're going back and forth on who's going to propose and how it's going to be. Uh, it's definitely a possibility for either of us to propose at the moment. <laughs> but my parents would like me to propose. <laughs> and I assume do it soon. Um... I don't know if it's soon. They keep giving me the advice of that I should not be engaged more than a year. <laughs> mm. Which is very good advice, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And but we're we're coming up on that time. I got a year left in school. <laughs> yeah. So popping the question sometime would be good. But yeah, I have a lot of anxiety about that. <laughs> and I definitely do not fit the masculine role <laughs> of a relationship. I am not I am not the dominant one in this relationship. <laughs> Is that what she's the breadwinner? And you're I mean, are you both students? Oh yeah, we're both students. Uh, I'm okay. definitely gonna be the one who's making the dough. <laughs> okay. But she has the more dominant personality. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. <a> long yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I, I don't think very many people understand <laughs> uh, just her having the dominant role in this relationship. <laughs> I mean, a, a relationship, every relationship is unique to its individuals. It doesn't. It is. Right. People assuming that, I mean, even that year standard, it might be good generally, but it's never necessarily going to work for everyone. And exactly. Proposing soon might be good for uh, your parents or someone else, but mm-hmm. maybe it's better for you guys to take your time and make sure it's the right thing. Yeah. 
even if you're pretty sure maybe <laughs> make sure it's the right time is rather the best oh yeah word. definitely yeah <laughs> All right. Well, you expressed, uh, you talked about your cats a little bit, uh, your beautiful little mojo and patches. Um, I want to know just a little bit more about them. Can you just tell me about your, your babies? Tell us about your little kitties. Uh, <laughs> I need to know. We got them as little kittens, uh, like, like three months old or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and we got them right before uh, we moved. Uh, and I I spent a lot of time <laughs> with Mojo. <laughs> I just kind of just kind of sat with him and just spent time with him. <laughs> and because of that, he is now he's basically my cat. Uh, mm. he, he follows me everywhere. He likes to be my lap cat. Uh, he is very enthusiastic when I come home. <laughs> <laughs> he is he's very happy to see me. And. I live on the second floor of my house, uh, so whenever I'm about, to, whenever I'm about to go upstairs to my room, <laughs> he just he runs up to me and follows me upstairs, and it's adorable. And <laughs> he loves, he loves snuggles and just to play. The funniest thing is, favorite toy, wire twist. <laughs> A wire twist. Wire twist. Uh, like. <laughs> The things that you bind cables with, <laughs> like, well, like both like zip ties like the, or like the oh, little air yeah, things yeah. covered in plastic. <laughs> the okay, metal wires yeah. covered in plastic. He loves playing with those. Like he just <laughs> throw it, and he just chases it down. Like he throw like a toy mouse, and he's like less than enthusiastic. <laughs> but <laughs> wire a little fit. wire. <laughs> but that that's that is different. Little man wire, goes crazy. man, go crazy for a little wire. <laughs> and then really? Patches is a chunky cat. Oh yeah, she, I, I she's, remember Patches. She's big. She steals the food from Mojo. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but she plays fetch, <laughs> uh, especially with my dad. Like mm. she plays the fetch with us. She just, my dad throws the mouse. She goes and chases it, and like a couple seconds later, she brings it back and like meows for you to throw it again. <laughs> and she's a she's a very talkative cat. Does she have a very similar relationship to uh, you and Mojo with her and her her and your dad? Oh yeah, yeah. She she loves my dad. She <laughs> spends a lot of time just Aww. hanging around my dad as a lap cat, or just like sitting next to. <laughs> I'm gonna have to ask uh, for pictures later. <laughs> yeah, you should send them. Me too. Yeah, just send them. Um, uh, well, clearly. So, I mean, you are clearly a big influence on your cat's life. I think most people, most people are a huge influence on their pet's life. But I'd love to know about the other way around. How much do you think that Mojo has affected you, or both Mojo and Patches have affected you? Uh in your life, I mean, has that made you more outgoing? Maybe. Has that made you more want to stay home more to be around the babies? <laughs> um, it's it's probably made me more introverted, <laughs> just more wanting to stay at home. Uh, <laughs> uh, especially, I I think I've gained some of the social behaviors that my cats. <laughs> 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 I'm just yeah. like 
sweating face sometimes and just like being chill with just sitting, not talking, just like we're just in the same room as each other, but like not doing anything. <laughs> and I think that has translated to my interactions with people a lot. So what I'm hearing is that you also love to play with wire clips. <laughs> and you also no. simultaneously sh- uh, poop in a litter box? <laughs> yep. Ew, no, 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 no. <laughs> okay, well, I'll just check in. I mean... I... Now, uh, would if you were to... Let's say your, uh, your house, everything you own... Uh, of course, it would be your parents' house, because I don't think you really care about your dorm room. But if everything at your parents' house uh, catches fire, after... Like, going in and getting patches and mojo, and of course your mom and dad, and your brother, and you've got a little bit more time to to go back in. Is there anything else you would grab? Like, maybe something's not caught on fire, and that's the thing that, like, you cherish the most in your house. What what would that item be? Definitely, yeah. out of yeah. doubt, my you know computer. What? I would run back into a burning building to save my computer. <laughs> I, I uh, got bad respect for that. I do so. <laughs> my entire life on it. <laughs> uh, it's basically, it's how I interact with my friends. It has all of my artwork. It has my music that I've made. It has... Oh, that's right. <laughs> it has... Um, all of my games, it has uh, it has all of my schoolwork, all of my projects. Basically, if my computer dies, I lose all of my schoolwork, my social life, <laughs> my uh, all of my work saves. It would it would Ooh. be a disaster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Well, but you have your computer at, at your dorm, right? Yeah, at school. So technically, okay. if the dorm was on fire, I would sit, run in and save my computer. <laughs> that, but that building's never going down. It's it's basically concrete. It's not going it? to go down. They might actually uh, uh, renovate it, but yeah. But you're definitely going back for that computer if anything happens. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. computer. <laughs> I, I, I don't blame you. I... I love my computer. Yeah, same. It's an important piece. It's also probably the most expensive thing in my house. That oh, I can at least think yeah. of. <laughs> yeah. Nothing Maybe else. not the washing machine, but like. Oh yeah, I, I couldn't. There's no way you get. I could actually get a fucking yeah, washing thousand like dollars. <laughs> <laughs> little bit of a little bit of a money sink there. Yeah. Yeah, I might leave my monitor because that that just it's a good monitor, but it's just a monitor. I can replace a monitor. Mm -hmm. I can get a monitor for like twenty bucks. (laughs) Just go to (laughs) some junk store and buy a monitor from like two (laughs) thousand and two. You can get a monitor from any Best Buy. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. just like like hundred bucks for a monitor, but. The information that is stored on the computer. Just, mm-hmm. I might even run in to just to retrieve my hard drive. <laughs> yeah. 
And that's a lot about your your coding work, right? But also, oh, yeah. obviously, your friends. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd love to ask you a little bit about your coding work. Uh, you said that your your teacher helped inspire you to do it, but is it something that you have kind of always, I mean, to some extent, been passionate about computers, that is? Oh, yeah. Uh, have I you have always been, been a computer guy? Forever. Uh, I got my first computer when I was in third grade. And it was just this piece of junk, like, mm. hand-me-down from the college, because they were getting rid of all of their old computers to upgrade. <laughs> so we got this this computer for, like, like 50 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> it had Windows XP. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was slow as heck. It crashed every, <laughs> every couple days. <laughs> it was awful. But it allowed me to, like, it allowed me to have some freedom as a kid like I could explore like music that my parents didn't introduce me to or like play games with my friends when I had them over mm. or just just have some fun on this cool electrical device <laughs> speaking of your music you mentioned it earlier uh how much do you do with that or do you do you write do you produce uh I write and I perform uh I haven't written a lot of music. I, I just have, I think I have like three pieces. Uh, I Well, I wrote like a multi-piece, multi, multi -piece, uh, like a five-minute kind of uh, song for like oboe, saxophone, and something else. Mm. And I really like that song, and it's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> and then I wrote some small little things for... For my friend, because uh, they're really into animation, so uh, and they were going to school, and they're like, "Hey, can you write me something <laughs> for background music for this animation?" And I'm like, "Sure, I could do that." <laughs> so I've written some like for some animation and some just some of my personal stuff, and then for performance, uh, I play the oboe. I've played for uh, let's see. Uh, 11 years, I think. About 11 years. Wait, no, nine, nine years. Uh, <laughs> um, I started just having, I started a little bit by myself, and then I had a little teacher for a couple of years. And then I went into like a junior symphony, played fun stuff like Fiddler on the Roof and stuff like that. Mm. <laughs> and then I went to, uh, high school and I played there got a little bit of a scholarship for music there um and really had fun there and then even now in college I got a scholarship for some music here and I'm I'm the principal oboe for the for the both I know, I'm principal oboe for the uh, the wind symphony here and I am also playing in the orchestra here mm -hmm. so I really like playing is principal oboe, from my understanding, is that like first chair? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. basically first chair violin, except oboe. <laughs> right. Okay. So that I mean, that's clearly important. Then, uh, do you feel like it's affected your? I mean, obviously, it's affected your life if you're dedicating that much to it and getting scholarships and stuff. But do you think it's affected your personal life, or is it more about educational and? passion life yeah uh, i met one of my one of my best friends in mm -hmm. playing music in high school uh, 
it was, yeah. She really wanted to be friends with me. And I'm like, oh, hey, you're cool. Let's be friends. <laughs> just because you're a good oboe uh, player? I don't know, probably just because just because we were in music together. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm, I was the only oboe in high school because no one wants to play the oboe. No one wants to play the oboe. I got lied to, and that's why I play the oboe. <laughs> <laughs> Someone told me that the oboe is like playing the recorder, and hell no. <laughs> Not even close. Totally lied to by my parents, by my music teacher. It's only a wind <laughs> instrument, and that's the only relation. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's about it. A <laughs> <laughs> little bit of fingering similarities, but not even that. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, I don't know, for a long time, um, I just did it because my parents wanted me to do it. Mm-hmm. And, or were making me to do it. And recently, I've been playing because I want to. Uh, I really like practicing. I like doing stuff by myself. Uh, I hate performing a lot. <laughs> I like playing with musical groups, but I despise performing. <laughs> when did it turn from a, a thing that you were being forced to do into a passion, do you think? Like when your parents let off the gas or just? Um, probably in high school when uh, my music teacher uh, started saying, hey, you should you should audition for like the honor Honor Band, which is basically this a uh, college program that is trying to get musicians, talented musicians from high school into <laughs> the university uh, groups and practicing that music and then practicing all of that music and then coming and playing with the actual, uh, with other talented musicians and the university's uh, symphony is really when I got passionate about it. But also being able to play in high school, being able to play really cool music, like uh, like a medley of <laughs> the the Force Awakens. Uh, we got to mm. and when the Force Awakens came out, we got to play all of the music from that. And boy, that oh was yeah, fun. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, playing with the honor band is, I think, what really triggered that. Well, you mentioned your uh, composition that you actually wrote. I'd love to hear just a little bit more about that. Was that also a thing that you did in high school? Uh, yeah, I did that in high school. Um, it did it senior year. Um, I was my uh, my music teacher made a piece, and I'm like, I wonder if I could make a piece. So hmm. I sat down and kind of started writing, and over like two or three months. More like, yeah, two months, over two months, I made this really cool song that I really like. Uh, He helped me design it uh, because (laughs) the first time I did it, uh, I designed it in a very odd way. Uh, It had a lot of different segments and none of them repeated. And he's like, maybe you should like mix in some of the old stuff, but uh, like repeat some of the old melody lines and just rewrite it a little bit to have it sound just a bit different or play it a bit different. And he he really helped me uh, get that piece into a place where I, I really like it now. And you can find the song on music scores. 
it's not Spotify or anything like that. It's just, I just wrote it, and it's kind of just sitting in my library. <laughs> one more question before we leave off here. This is just a little, a little fun one. I want to know if there was a ritual to summon you, you know, blood circles or maybe playing an oboe, what would it be? Uh, so I have uh, getting a, a round table and then putting a freshly baked pizza <laughs> on the table and then playing some uh, Gabriel's oboe in the background <laughs> and then chanting three mathematical, uh, theoretical mathematical equations <laughs> and then ending off with live long and prosper and then poof. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, thank you so much, buddy, for uh, joining us today on the Waiting for Seconds podcast. Thank you for uh, having me. Yeah, I, it was a lot of fun. And I, I don't know about you, Malcolm, but I, I loved uh, just getting to kind of know you a little bit more. Yeah, it was really nice to meet you and, and come to learn about you. Very, very in, enjoyable conversation. Nice being on the podcast and nice meeting you, Malcolm. Yeah. So I think we'll call it for today. Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. See you next time. The outro for the podcast today is a song by Adam Taylor called The Phoenix Song. Hope you enjoy.